Welcome to It's In My Queue, the podcast where we talk about TV pilots. I'm Kara. And I'm Adina. And today we are going to be talking about The Hundred. So this is a little impromptu series, these next two episodes, that I feel like we can call shows that disappointed us in 2020. So uh, we're starting with the show that disappointed me in 2020, the second show, because we've already talked about one of them. We talked about The Magicians. True. Um, So this is my second big disappointment, the show that made me cry angry tears in my basement for a second time. (laughs) It was The Hundred. Yeah. I, I like, I fully cried for like half the episode. I was so upset at it. Anyway, today we're talking about the pilot though, for the most part. For the most part, but both of us have a lot of thoughts about this show. Um, so for those of you that haven't seen The 100, I mean, God bless you. Um, <laughs> if you have seen The 100, I don't think there's a single person that has watched much of the show and not had issues with it because the way it goes in later seasons simply doesn't please anybody um Mm -hmm. so both both Kara and I have some various grievances that will air later on it's such an interesting show because it gets off to such a strong start like most people that I that I know that have ever watched it really enjoy the first couple seasons and then it's just like what the hell yeah I can also use my dad as an example for this show as like the casual viewer's opinion, because I can't call myself a casual viewer at this point. I've invested far too much time into this program, unfortunately. I'm I'm medium casual towards the hundred because I, um, at least the way I viewed it as the first few seasons, I started it when two seasons were out um, and I picked it up on Netflix, watched the first two seasons, enjoyed them. And then from then on, I would watch every season as it hit Netflix. Um, up until season five, which I just didn't really care for and probably would have given up if not for you having gotten obsessed with it at that point. So I was like, I'll watch it so I can talk to Kara about it. And then season six, I definitely would have, wouldn't have watched unless you were obsessed with it. And then season seven, I tried to keep up with because Kara had thoughts about it. And then I told Adina to stop. I told Adina, don't bother. It's not worth it. (laughs) Um, yeah. So I, I honestly, my start with the hundred came about pretty casually um as well so it after I did yeah I I started it I was like oh I'm surprised that Kara's into this show (laughs) yeah um I started it the summer of 2017 I was hanging out with a friend one weekend in Saratoga and we were bored and we were like well let's watch something on Netflix and we binged the first two seasons of the hundred so then once I left Saratoga, I tried to keep watching season three, but I was at a point where I was like, mm, all the characters are kind of getting on my nerves. So I'm going to stop this. Um, then in, I picked the show back up in 2019 um, when I was really bored. I had like just moved back home, like the very beginning of 2019. I like had, hadn't written for a period of time or anything like that. And I think I was honest, I was just very sad. So I had nothing to do. So I picked up the hundred again. I watched season three, couldn't, couldn't really remember what had happened in seasons one and two. So started again, watched season four and season five all fairly quickly. Um, And then I had caught up in time to like watch season six as it aired. So I watched season six and seven, both as they aired, like on the day they came out on the CW. And I also, I have to credit The 100 for getting me back into writing. So like, I feel like it like holds a place in my heart 
because it actually really helped me out. I even wrote a spec script for it last year. Honestly, Um, that is, that's what this series should be called. Shows that us, shows that disappointed us in 2020 and yet got us very into, into writing again. And we also both wrote specs for them in 2020. Yeah. So I feel like this show actually did a lot for me in that sense. Um, But I feel like. Can't live without them. I feel like, I feel like I can say this for like most hundred fans, the hundred fans, at least the really, like the, not the casual viewers, but I would say that every, everyone who loves the hundred also hates the hundred. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah. like, I've definitely watched it and been like, man, I fucking hate this show. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I feel like that's valid and I can say it cause I am in that group. You're allowed to, that's the thing. When you love things that deeply, no one else is allowed to hate on them. Cause they yeah. don't know all the real reasons to hate on it. But true fans are allowed to hate it the most. I have so many valid reasons to hate on it. You do. (laughs) And we'll talk about some of them later, but we'll start with the pilot. All right. So um, a little bit about The 100 before we get too deep into the first episode. The 100 was developed for television by Jason Rothenberg. um, And it is based on the book series um, of the same name, but written by Cass Morgan. Um, It ran for seven seasons on the CW from 2014 to 2020. So basically the premise is that it's like this post-apocalyptic dystopian sci-fi story that's set three generations after a thermonuclear apocalypse. And so there are these survivors from Earth who are all living on this space station called the Ark. And because of the limited resources on the Ark, if you commit a crime any crime, even the smallest little crime, like you stole a loaf of bread. Like if this were Les Mis, Jean Valjean would be dead. Um, And like the smallest crimes are punishable by death. Um, They throw, they like throw you out of the spaceship. They call it, you get floated. But because they didn't want to kill children, if children committed a crime, um, so anyone under the age of 18 gets sent to the skybox, which is their jail. Um, and then when they turn 18, their case is reviewed again. So they either get floated or they go back into society, but usually they get floated. Which honestly, that just seems so backwards. Cause if you're going to kill them anyway, like you're wasting just resources by keeping them. them alive. And if you're not going to, like, if you're trying to be merciful to children, then like if they've spent five plus years in jail solitary for their crime, then just fucking let them go. Yeah, just it's another chance because if they commit another crime, you're just going to instantly kill them anyway. Yeah, it's <laughs> very about their system that don't totally make sense. But, you know, it's a high stakes premise. You got to just go with it. Yeah, it's very fucked up. Um, <laughs> and then it gets even more fucked up because they learn that the Ark is dying. So the government sends down the hundred children, the prisoners that are that are in the skybox so that they can see if the earth is survivable for them. Um, So yeah, which it becomes even more fucked up. It kind of makes sense on the surface, but the question that came to my mind as I was watching this pilot, and I've seen the show, like I've probably seen the early seasons twice, I think. Um, And again, this is not me trying to nitpick and be like, oh, because it's unrealistic, it's bad. But I was just like, why would they send a hundred teen criminals unsupervised down to the ground if, as we learn in the pilot, they know that the arc is only going to last for a few more months anyway. Why would they not send down a mission that had a few competent adults that were willing to sacrifice themselves for the cause 
because that seems like it would have a better chance of success. And as we discover later on, there are enough people on the Ark that are willing to sacrifice themselves for the greater good, especially yeah. if there's a chance of survival. So it just seems very stupid if they only have this one dropship to just send a hundred teenage criminals with no way of communicating and no way of holding them accountable. It's literally, it's, don't get me started. It's like like one chaperone. Yeah, um, they didn't think this through. Um, The adults, I feel like, I feel like one of the theses of this show is that the adults just don't make good decisions um yeah honestly even in the later seasons it's like the adults are wrong a lot of the time yeah i was like damn adults and the children yeah damn adults you shouldn't be in charge um anyway so something i thought was interesting is that um this pilot Um, Jason Rothenberg actually went to Cass Morgan before the first book was even published. The the book was published in September of 2013, but he approached her beforehand about developing it. Um, I don't super know how that works. I don't know how he got his hands on it, but that's what happened. It's one of those things where like agents are like, oh, like Cass Morgan's agent was probably like, oh, I smell that this could have a good movie or or TV adaptation starts talking to agent friends and then the agent friends mention it to their writers and then Jason Rothenberg's like oh I like that idea set me up a meeting with Cass Morgan yeah that that makes sense um yeah so um just a little bit about production real quick so this is a pilot that was actually written to as a pilot Mm -hmm. um so they filmed the pilot in Vancouver in early 2013 then after that the show received a series order so they filmed season one from August 2013 to January 2014. Um, And then the first episode aired March 19th, 2014. Um, It's like, since it's like sort of a summary show on the CW, the seasons are more like 13 to 16 episodes rather than the longer like Mm -hmm. 20 something ones that like Riverdale or those other ones have. Yes. I, I think this show would not do well with longer seasons. Oh my God, no, it would be... I th- it would have been torturous, I think. I don't want to imagine what the filler episodes on this show would be like. <laughs> no, absolutely not. This is from season seven, but The 100 also was affected by COVID almost. They mm-hmm. just missed, so like Warner Brothers shut down production on like all their shows. Um, they like just finished, they just wrapped filming season seven right as COVID hit and they had to shut down. So they got pretty lucky. Another interesting thing is that there is a... Um, there is the chance for a prequel. Um, I guess it's interesting if you liked season seven. I have yet to meet someone who did. But basically, there was in season seven, there is a backdoor pilot for a prequel, which is set 97 years before the events of the hundred. And it's like right as the nuclear apocalypse has is wiping out Earth. Um, the episode, I think, was fine as someone that watched it. Um, but the fact that I don't necessarily want to watch more of the hundred because of the way it ended makes it less appealing to me. Um, I do know that as of, it hasn't been picked up yet, but I think that as of January, I read, they were still considering it slash shopping it around to places. So I guess before I begin, I will say that I have read the first book uh, of the hundred series. Um, it's a YA book. I do enjoy a lot of like YA sci-fi fantasy dystopian things but I will say I didn't really care for this one so I didn't Mm. 
after I finished the first book, I didn't care to continue it. There are quite a few differences between the show and the books. So the biggest being that the only characters from the book that carry over to the show slash the only ones that are from the book are Clark, Bellamy, Octavia, and Wells. Um, Those are the four main characters that are in the book that translated over to the TV show. Yeah. Um, And just for, for the people that are listening, aka my family, that are wondering why all those names sound so familiar slash weird. Yes, they are all named after famous sci-fi authors. That's correct. Yes, You're correct that about is that. true. <laughs> yes, that is a fun fact of yeah. the show and those main characters. Yeah. And also the other thing that's different about the book is this is also very fucked up. Um, both of Clark's parents are dead and they were floated for doing illegal experiments on children to test radiation. Oh, oh, that's a lot um, darker. Yeah. It was, they were like forced to do it by like the vice chancellor, but it, they still, it still made them look bad. And the vice chancellor, I don't think got in trouble. Um, Well, that's stupid. It's, yeah, terrible. (laughs) Let us begin with the show. So here we are. Um, This is season one, episode one pilot written by Jason Rothenberg. Um, so the show starts and you see this, um, hand and it's like a concrete floor and there's a girl drawing on the floor. She's drawing this like really pretty, like chalk looking picture of like stars. And then you, we get a voiceover, which I actually did write down. She says, I feel the sun on my face. I see trees all around me, scent of wildflowers on a breeze. It's so beautiful. In this moment, I'm not stranded in space. It's been 97 years since a nuclear apocalypse killed everyone on Earth, leaving the planet simmering in radiation. Fortunately, there were survivors. 12 nations had operational space stations at the time of the bombs. There is now only the Ark, one station forged from the many. We're told the Earth needs another 101 years to become survivable again. Four more space-locked generations and man can go home, back to the ground. The ground, that's the dream. We, and then she says, this is reality. And so we finally see this girl who presumably it's her voiceover. She's like blonde in this like gray drab outfit. Um, someone opens her cell door um, and says, prisoner 319. And then she turns and then the voiceover goes, reality sucks. <laughs> and <laughs> which felt very teenagery in a way yeah. that I really enjoy. Yeah. And there, this whole intro, like, it's a little clunky, like literally just tells you the entire scenario, but I like, I think it's okay. I think it's justified. Cause like mm-hmm. with sci-fi like this, you just want to get, you, you want people to know what's going on and you want them to know it quick so that you can just start yeah. doing stuff. So I was like, for those 30 seconds, does it feel a little clunky? Sure. But is it worth it? Yeah. Yeah. I've never really minded this bit of voiceover, like voiceover, yeah. like doesn't happen in this show. That's not like yeah. a convention. Of yeah, no, this was literally just like, it's like you need to know X things before you watch this show. We're not gonna yeah. we're not gonna bother trying to like cram them in other ways. You just need to know. And honestly, yeah. I think that was the best decision for this show. I don't think there's a better way they should have done that. Yeah, there there I cannot think of another way that it would have worked better. Yeah. Honestly. So this is fine. Yeah. Uh so yeah. She so these uh guards come into her cell and they're like, uh you have to come with us. And they start taking out all of these items. And she, um, this girl's kind of freaking out. She says, what? No, it's not time. I don't turn 18 for another month. So she's thinking that they're going to kill her um, because uh, it's almost her 18th birthday. 
And when you turn 18, you either get floated (laughs) or you get put back into society. But clearly she's done something that she thinks, oh, they're just going to kill me. So they get out this um, metal looking wristband and they try to put it on her. And they also try to take off a watch that she's wearing. And she freaks out. She's like, no, that's my father's watch. She's not having it. Um, So she starts fighting the guards and then she leaves her cell and notices that everyone in the skybox is kind of being taken out of their cells. Um, Like there's something's going on. And so she's freaking out some more. Um, But then we hear a woman calling to her and she says, Clark, stop. Um, And she turns around and it's her mom. And Clark is like, oh my God, mom, they're killing us to, um, to make more oxygen so that you guys can live. They're killing us all. Her mom is like, no, you're being sent to the ground, all 100 of you. Um, and so her mom is like trying to find ways to calm her down because she's freaking out. She says, your instincts will tell you to take care of everybody else first, just like your father, blah, blah, blah. She's, you know, like, um, you're going to be okay. And they finally have to tranquilize Clark because she's still kind of freaking out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then her mom is holding her as they like hit her with the tranquilizer dart. So she like passes out and her mom's like, earth, Clark, you get to go to earth. And that is the teaser. Then we get yeah. the title. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it gives a lot of exposition, but I think, I think it's necessary. And I think it, it mm-hmm. was the best choice just to do that because the rest of this episode really hits the ground running and a lot happens. Yeah. But it's interesting. And I think it's worth getting that all out of the way. Also, I just want to say one of the things I remembered from reading the script, it's stuck in my head, the, the character description for Clark. It said, um, smarter than she is pretty, but not by much. I did. Yes. <laughs> I oh, my barf. God. I was like, yes, it's true that Clark is pretty and smart, but could you not write it like that? Yeah, I, I do remember some of the character descriptions in the in the script. I was like, mm. I feel like sometimes men, when they're trying not to be sexist, they include, they'll write that a female character is attractive, but then also say she's smart, smart yes. slash strong slash competent right after it. Because they're like, if I put in something else about her, that cancels it out. Yeah. You know, that makes up for it. Now she's good in two ways. She's not one dimensional. And I'm like, that's not exactly how it works. The way she comes across on screen is great, but that line yes. in the script. Mm-hmm. Not not great. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, now the teaser is over. We are on to act one. We see this ship dropping down to Earth. And uh Clark comes too. She is on the ship with all of these people. Um and it looks she's kind like, of like a six flags ride on the inside. It's just children strapped to all the different walls and it's like they're falling and like it's like low gravity because they're falling. Yeah. And... Also it was fairly quiet, all things considered. Yeah, there were a lot of moments when I was like, is this really a ship full of one hundred teenage delinquents? I feel like it would be a little bit rowdier. Yeah. Um Maybe there were some rowdy moments. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there were some rowdy moments, but all in all, they were fairly quiet. Yeah. Um, but I guess because you need to hear what yeah. everyone's saying. Acceptable breaks from reality. Yeah. Um, so Clark comes to and she's seated next to this guy. Um, she's not happy to see him. His name is Wells. Um, I love him. He, he literally is... got, like, as we find out in this dialogue, he got himself arrested on purpose because he knew this was going to happen and he wanted to be with Clark. And I'm like, yeah. oh boy, oh, you're kind of dumb, but that's also really sweet. 
Yeah, I love him. He's played by Eli Gorey, who, if you've also seen Riverdale, he's on that. I forget his character's name all the time, but he's like friends with Archie. Um, yeah. He's also in One Night in Miami, directed by Regina King. Oh, wait, who did he so, play? Muhammad Ali. Okay, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I watched that a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Oh, yeah. good for him. Didn't, yes. didn't realize that was him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, basically, Wells got himself arrested. Clark is not happy that he got himself arrested. Um, Then they hit the atmosphere. And so there's like a boom and everyone's kind of like, what is that? And Wells is like, that's the atmosphere. Uh, (laughs) And then a video begins to play. And here we see Isaiah Washington, who we have seen in a pilot before. We saw him in Grey's Anatomy. Uh, So now here he is again. Um, and this video is playing and he's beginning to explain what the, what's up. So he's like prisoners of the Ark. Um, and he kind of addresses them. He is the chancellor. So he's the guy in charge on the Ark, like, I guess, president sort of thing, whatever. Um, and he explains that they're being sent down to the ground. One of the things he says that I wrote down that I was like, damn, uh, he wrote, If the odds of surviving were better, we would have sent others. Frankly, we're sending you because your crimes have made you expendable. At this point, someone shouts, your dad's a dick, Wells. So that's how we learn that Wells is the chancellor's son. The chancellor, his name, we call him Jaha. His name is Thelonious, um, but he, we only call him Jaha. Um, uh, But Basically, Jaha is saying that um, because they're being sent down to the ground, if this mission goes well, that their records will be expunged and they'll all get to live. So yeah, then we cut to the Ark. Um, We're in like a little station moment and people are kind of freaking out. There is this one woman in this pilot who is never heard from again. Um, She is in this scene now. Uh, She's so random. She is very random. She's quite literally, she's in this pilot. That's the thing about pilots sometimes yeah. where it's like the a character will be written in and then like the rest of the series, they're gone. There's uh, no explanation. Yeah. So that's what, <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened with this woman. Her name is Callie. She is uh, addressing the crowd there. They all saw a ship drop from the station. So they're like, what's going on? someone's like was my kid on that ship and the lady is like we can't confirm or deny anything she gives no we simply answers. don't know what happened on our finite spaceship in space we can't tell who's coming and going next we cut back to the drop ship where uh the video of isaiah washington ha- is continuing to play he is saying that their drop site has been chosen carefully um and then he explains that they're going to be dropped near mount weather because there's like a bunker there where there are all these supplies and there's like food and things that will help them survive until they're able to send other people that are not expendable (laughs) down to the ground. And then we see this dude, he is floating around. He has unbuckled his seatbelt and he's just, you know, chilling out. He has on like a beanie. He's thinks he's so cool. Um, these were the vibes he gave off. He floats over to Clark and Wells and he says, check it out. Your dad floated me after all. Um, cause he's floating. And then some other people are starting to unstrap themselves. And Clark is like, Hey, don't unstrap yourselves as we're hurtling to the ground. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Um, but they don't want to listen because, you know, they're teenage so This episode is just Clark saying things that are very common sense and everyone being like, don't be such a bitch. <laughs> she's like, yeah. you're going to die. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I'm sorry I'm being reasonable. I feel like it's not what she says, it's the way she says it. It's true, and, like, I get it, and I'm like, she is kind of annoying, but also she's right. She is right. She is right. <laughs> this sh- this episode is so maddening to watch because she yeah. is right. Um. Anyway, we'll get there when we get there. There are more instances of this. Um. So, yeah, Um. some other people are unstrapping themselves. Uh. This guy who's floating next to Clark and Wells looks at Clark and says, you're the traitor who's been in solitary for a year. So clearly Clark committed some treason. We don't know yet what the treason was. Um, And then Clark says to this guy, you're the idiot who wasted a month of oxygen on an illegal spacewalk. And he says, but it was fun. Um, I'm Finn. Uh, So this is Finn. Um, I kind of like his character introduction. uh, Uh, I feel like. His introduction is okay. I don't like him. No, I don't, I don't either, but I think that he, I think that this is very indicative of, like, his showy personality at the start. I have, I, I had more thoughts about Finn read this pilot and read the show that I'll, I'll say at the end, but. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, they're still hurtling to Earth. Um, a parachute drops because they're f- close enough to the ground that it's time to land, actually, and all of the, the, the two people that unbuckled all fly back into like some stuff in the ship and they die um (laughs) uh except for finn finn gets flown back but he doesn't get he doesn't hit whatever those other two boys hit so then there's all these sparks then we are back on the ark in like the station where they're monitoring these people and we see another repeat actor from a pilot that we have covered it is a uh, Steven from Scandal, but this time he is playing someone named Marcus Kane. He so like they're talking. All of the people on the Ark are like talking about how there's like there was a total system failure on the dropship, and they lost contact. So like all of their communication systems are down, and they can only tell what's going on from the telemetry on their wristbands. So basically, all of these teenagers they just sent down to the ground are on their own because uh, they didn't think this through. Yep. Anyway, um, uh, they're hurtling down to the ground. Wells is saying that he's sorry that um, he got Clark's father arrested. And uh, he's like, I couldn't live with this knowing that you hated me. And Clark is like, you didn't get my father arrested. He is executed. He is dead. I do yeah. hate you. <laughs> um, that's not the same. It's <laughs> not. anyway now they hit the ground uh the machine whirring stops and they're like oh wow i have we have never not heard machines hum that in our lives okay that moment got me thinking about like it's hard for us to conceptualize that these children have all lived entirely in space on one space station and they've never been to the ground before but also it and like they've never heard silence and like all those weird things that like we wouldn't even think about but also that made me think about covid babies and how like the world that they've grown up in is so totally different yeah like the parallels mm-hmm. oh my god that's wild <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> to make that a bummer but maybe it's a good thing because like you know things are starting to look up and they'll get to experience a whole new world yeah we'll see <laughs> 
with all these mask confusions, it's like, will we? Who's <laughs> to say? Um, anyway, so everyone starts to unstrap their seatbelts. Um, someone shouts that the low that on the lower level there's an outer door. Mm-hmm. So that's how they're going to get out of the ship. Um, Clark starts climbing down because someone says that they're going to open the door, and she's like, "Hold on a second. And she says, "Stop." The air could be toxic. Okay, this is actually a case where Clark is wrong. I mean, she's technically right, but she's functionally wrong because as Bellamy Mm -hmm. points out. If the air is toxic, we're all dead anyway, says this guy who was about to open the door. Um, (laughs) Which is a very good point. Yes. He's like, what? What? Either we die or we die, man. Yeah. Uh, I, don't I know would rather die from toxic air than starvation and killing each other inside the dropship. <laughs> that would be, what a different show that would have been. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this guy says something. He looks a little bit older than the rest of the group. Um, he's like seemingly slightly out of place. Mm-hmm. And we hear a girl um, who's like in the crowd still go, Bellamy? And uh, then we see this girl come out of the crowd and she goes towards this guy and people are like whispering things. So you kind of hear things like that's the girl who hid under the floor. Um, And so Bellamy sees Octavia, who is this girl that addressed him and is like, oh, my God, look how big you've gotten. And uh she's like why are you wearing a guards uniform uh like what the fuck are you doing working for the man uh (laughs) was the attitude she had and he says that he borrowed it so that he could get on the drop ship then clark notices that bellamy is not wearing a wristband so she's like excuse me where is your wristband (laughs) um she's like everyone has a wristband i know things octavia says do you mind i haven't seen my brother in over a year And then some people are like, nobody has a brother Um, because there's a rule on the arc. One of the rules is you are not allowed to have more than one child. Um, So this is an anomaly, the fact that Bellamy and Octavia are brother and sister. And so someone shouts out, that's Octavia Blake, the girl they found hidden in the floor. So the reason that she was in the skybox was literally just because she was born. Uh, Is really unfair. Uh-huh. Yeah. It feels like she you know, put the mother that. on trial, not the child. Well, I mean, they did. Uh I, yeah, I know they did, but like <laughs> why how does putting Octavia in jail actually benefit? I guess what it does is it discourages parents from thinking, oh, I can just raise my kid and I'm only putting myself in danger and then my kid will yeah. be fine. So it discourages mm-hmm. them because they know their kid wouldn't have it. Okay, I figured it out. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um loved that. She kind of lashes out at this. Um, she has, Octavia has some very clear anger issues. Which I don't Um, blame her. Me neither. (laughs) Octavia is valid in many of her issues. Um, send her to therapy. Yeah, I don't know what to, I don't know what to do to help her, but I understand why she's damaged. Yeah, Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And then Bellamy kind of holds her back and says, let's give them something else to remember you by. And she's like, like what? And he says, like being the first person on the ground in a hundred years. Here's the other thing I didn't get. There's a hundred delinquent rowdy teens in this dropship watching this emotional reunion happen <laughs> and saying nothing, doing nothing. I'm like, and then he's saying, oh, do you want to be the first person on the ground? And, and no one fought him one, on that? Not one of those hundred teens tried to push to the front or stampede for the door or be the first one out. They all just patiently and silently wait while this is happening. <laughs> 
That's another good point. Oh my god, the teenagers on this show. Yeah, they were, I was like, they were in shock. Literally, literally the entire rest of this episode, you are emphasizing the fact of how rowdy and selfish these teenagers are. But they like to just sit and watch this family reunion. They're very quiet on the dropship, guys. Yeah. Um, maybe it's maybe there's something in the air on the dropship. Yeah, that maybe makes them maybe quiet. they're all a little bit tranked. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Bellamy pulls the lever and. Here is Earth. This is Earth for the first time. And so everyone is kind of like looking out in awe. They're like, they've never seen anything like this before. So they're like really all taking it in. Octavia steps onto like the door landing um, and she's like breathing the air. And then she takes her time. She took a really yeah. long time. Cause that's why I again, I was like, once the door is open, nobody's pushing out and stampeding out. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I was also, I was anticipating this line because it's yeah. iconic. Yeah. Um, so I was like, Oh my God, it's really taking her forever. Yeah. It's taking her so long. And finally she jumps down and then she shouts, we're back bitches. And then she shouts, we're back bitches. And then radioactive by Imagine Dragons starts to play. And I'm like, could this be any more 2014? Oh my God. It is. Oh my God. Yeah. Um. Anyway. So all of the kids finally run yeah. out. I was like, it's <laughs> now time, they man. run. They're freaking out. They also immediately set a fire. Did you notice that? I don't, I don't think I did, but I mean, it set something the, on flames. I mean, you do um, you need fire to survive. So like, yeah, but it didn't seem like a survival fire. No, it just I know, but like I'm a, like, it's a, it's a good side effect of their chaos. <laughs> yes. So because I noticed it because Clark steps to the ground and we get a moment of her taking an earth for the first time and she's all excited and she's like, wow, this is actually really cool because she'd been dreaming of it. She had just yeah. been drawing earth earlier in the day and now she's here. But I, I think I noticed in the background, someone had already lit a fire and I was yeah. like, oh my God, that was so fast. So yeah, then she's looking at her map and she's like trying to figure out where Mount Weather is because they've been dropped. So she's like, all right, she was the only one paying attention to the instructional video. Yeah. Clark is a nerd, but I love her for it. Yeah. So um, she's looking at her map and then she notices that there's a mountain, but far ahead of them not like you know next to them yeah. like it perhaps or should like be. under their feet <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so finn comes up to her and he's like why so serious princess it's not like we died in a fiery explosion he says some other things um she doesn't super listen to him because he's called her princess yeah um and he says you don't like being called princess do you princess um clark continues to tell finn she's like see that mountain ahead that is mount weather um she's like this is a problem she says there's a radiation soaked forest between us and our next meal they dropped us on the wrong damn mountain which <laughs> last line of act one and that one's also iconic i love just yes just something about it of like this like 17 year old blonde girl holding up this map <laughs> while everyone else around her is partying and she just lowers the map and she goes they dropped us on the wrong damn mountain truly favorite line of the episode i won't lie it's I, pretty funny i love it no it's not like it's like funny because it's delightful because it's so serious yeah it, Clark is like, this is terrible, yeah. in fact. Um, and everyone's like, she's Woo. literally, the, well, her and Wells are the only ones that are concerned that they all might die. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is a fun time. Uh, act two begins. We're back on the arc. 
and Kane is explaining that the kids have landed, um, but they can't communicate with them because all of the comm systems in the dropship just went down. Uh, but with Abby's wristbands, Abby is Clark's mom, uh, they can still get a sense of how the earth is affecting them. Abby explains that there two of the lights have gone out, so two kids died. Um, and their theory is that the, the fatalities are from landing and not radiation, which is correct, because those were the kids that unstrapped themselves. <laughs> um, and Kane says, um, why is there red? Because you can kind of like see their like vitals fluctuating on the thing. Um, and so Abby's other theories are injuries. One of the theories is injuries sustained on landing. And Kane is like, what's the other theory? <laughs> and she's like, they're excited to be there, yeah. which is exactly what it is. Yeah. Kane, this whole scene is Kane being like, so the radiation's going to kill them, so right? Contrary. He, in this scene, not always, but in this, this particular scene, he has the vibes of like, like a like a science skeptic who's trying to poke all these holes in what expert doctors are saying like yeah like he clearly is looking he's fishing for evidence that the plan is not working and yeah Abby's he's like you are jumping way to conclusions man here I'm a scientist and we are drawing reasonable conclusions first yeah he's so ready to say I told you so yeah um and he can't yet because yeah. in fact he is wrong then we go back to earth clark is kind of mapping out the distance between where they are and where mount weather is um wells comes out of the dropship and says that all the comm systems are dead and like everything's fried like all the wires and stuff and then these two other kids come up to them and they're like hey what you doing um and wells is kind of like leave us alone and then this other group of aggressive looking boys led by a small baby faced one. <laughs> um, small little pasty, pasty white little man. Um, you would not believe it from this first episode, but I love him with <laughs> yes. my whole heart. Yes, this is a um, character that your opinion of him will change as you watch uh, the show. Yeah, so basically he comes up leading this other group of boys that are much bigger than him, yet somehow he's the one that ended up in charge. Um, love it. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, uh, hey, leave that kid alone. He's with us. And Wells is like, relax. We're just trying to figure out where we are. And Bellamy says, we're on the ground. That not good enough for you? Um, and Wells is like, see, we have to find Mount Weather. No one is listening to Wells because Wells is the son of the Chancellor. Yeah. So the Chancellor is literally the one that enforces all the rules that got them all locked up in the first place. Yeah. So of course he has made also, a, on a related hundred enemies. Note, Wells is a weenie. Um, so even if he wasn't the Chancellor's son and they didn't all hate him, they wouldn't listen to him anyway because yeah. he's, a, he's a, a good person and yeah. not willing to beat any of them up to get his way which is what the rest of them would do <laughs> yeah oh i love him he truly deserves uh, better they immediately hate the fact that it seems like wells and clark are trying to be in charge and like they're really not they're just no. making common sense suggestions they're not really getting off on trying to be in charge in fact it's other people mm -hmm. that are doing that <laughs> yeah so um Wells and Clark both grew up very privileged. There's yeah. like a huge class disparity on the arc, um, which is evident through some other things as well. Yeah. So Clark is like, uh, we don't care who's in charge, but you know, don't you want to eat? 
don't you want supplies do you want to live yeah basically is what she's saying and she says it's a 20 mile trek so they have to get going before it gets dark bellamy says that clark and Wells should go let the privilege to do the work for once um everyone seems to to think that's a good idea wells kind of protests saying that they all need to go um and murphy then pushes him down and says calls him like the chancellor of earth and then he kicks him so like wells kind of stands up and then is limping because he was kicked in the leg um and they look like they're about to square off and fight but finn jumps down from above <laughs> fucking like peter pan moment <laughs> i feel like jason rothenberg watched hook and he was just like rufio i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna take everything from rufio and i'm gonna just put it i have some other thoughts about what jason rothenberg watched but well, i'll save them for yeah. later Anyway, uh, so Finn comes, jumps down in between Wells and this other kid, and he looks at the other kid and says, kid's got one leg. How about you wait until it's a fair fight? Um, Then Octavia comes up and says, hey, spacewalker, rescue me next, Um, which I guess I can forgive because she's, you know, a teenager that has been locked up and doesn't know how to flirt. I know it's that I just, I am both shocked by and I have a deep respect for how Octavia lived her whole life in under the floorboards or in a jail cell and she has been out for 12 hours and she's decided I'm in my hoe phase now (laughs) she really did she's like all right time to live a little she actually does explain this later um anyway then Bellamy comes up to her and gives her this look Bellamy is like 23 I would like to say that Bellamy is 23 years old and the rest of them are like 16 17 um so he really and there's a few younger give kids me vibes like that when i first watched i was reading him as like maybe 20 i don't know not that it really matters yeah but like being the sole 23 year old amongst all of these teenagers on the ground i would want to kill myself this is how <laughs> um so i octavia and bellamy have the same age difference i have with my sister so like it's like if i were spending like a day with my sister and her friends which I have done except also Um, you're on the earth (laughs) yeah for the first time so it would be a lot I won't lie um but Bellamy's gonna start taking advantage of this later the fact that he is older than everyone so uh Bellamy looks at Octavia and is like stop it oh he's a criminal and Octavia points out correctly they are all criminals um because they sent a bunch of criminals to the ground And Bellamy is talking about how he came down to protect Octavia. And she's like, well, I certainly didn't ask you to do that. I'm done uh, following orders. I just want to live my life. I've literally been trapped my whole life. And I'm finally free. I'm going to do something crazy. Do whatever the fuck I want. Um, Bellamy is like, listen, Octavia, I came down for you, but I can't stay. I did something to get on that ship um that'll get that I'll get killed for and Octavia's like what did you do he's like I'm not gonna say (laughs) yet but you have to just trust me and then uh Finn goes over to Wells and Clark and asks when they're leaving for Mount Weather um Wells can't go because uh that kid kicked him in the leg Mm -hmm. um and he's injured Wells is like well it can't just be the two of you 
Um, so Finn pull t- takes <laughs> these two guys by the backs of their jackets and pulls them over. He's like, great, we've got four yeah. now. And Octavia says, make it five. So then they're all like a little group. Clark then notices that Finn has like scratches on his wristband. And she's like, were you trying to take this off? You can't take this off because uh, that's how people the people on the ark know that we're all right do you want the people you love to think you're dead and you see bellamy kind of paying attention to this and being like oh yeah interesting this is giving me some thoughts and ideas so they start to take off uh get ready to leave clark like looks at wells and is like you shouldn't have come here wells um and she's just not happy with him um rightfully so she thinks that um he got her father killed So yeah, then they start to leave. Octavia says to Clark, before you get any ideas, Finn's mine. And Clark kind of looks at her like, what the fuck? And then she says, before you get any ideas, I don't care. (laughs) Um, And so they head off into the woods to go find Mount Weather. Um, We're back up on the Ark. Callie, the woman that we're never going to see again after this episode. Um, But apparently she's Abby's best friend. (laughs) Wow. Um, She asks how Clark is. Um, and Clark seems fine based on the wristband and we know Clark is fine. We've seen her. Um, so then Abby gets a call, um, and she like listens to it and then she calls Jackson. Who's like the other doctor, her assistant. He is also a doctor. He's not an assistant, but he's kind of her assistant. Um, Abby's his mentor. She's like the medical chief on the arc. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and she's like, get blood, A negative, um, and a lot of it. And Jackson's like, what happened? And she says, the chancellor's been shot. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, so then we go back to the forest where uh, we have Finn, Octavia, Clark. Clark is far mm-hmm. ahead of them, I would like to point out before I begin. And then we see these other two boys. Um, that Finn recruited to come with them. Their names are Monty and Jasper. Jasper is played by Devin Bostick, who played Roderick yes. in the Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies, um, which is the first place I saw yeah. him. And when I learned uh, that, I was like, what? Because I had a memory of the guy who played Roderick being like really like sexy and cool. And this is not to say that Devin Bostick is not, but Jasper, the character. like Yeah, <laughs> Jasper is very different from Roderick. Yeah. And I, I agree with you on this. Finn takes this little purple flower and puts it in Octavia's hair. And Jasper points out to Monty. He says, now that, my friend, is game. And Monty says, that, my friend, is poison sumac, which freaks Octavia out. So she, like, takes the flower out of her hair. But it's not the flower that's poison, Monty then explains. We then learn that Monty's family grew all the pharmaceuticals on the Ark. And then Finn sees Clark far ahead of them and is like, how are you ignoring all of your surroundings? And Clark, Clark's a bit of a killjoy here. (laughs) And she's like, she's like, yeah, but you know, I'm also wondering why haven't we seen any animals? Like she starts listing off all these things about, she's like, how do we know that we haven't been, you know, exposed to enough radiation that we're going to die? And then she goes, sure is pretty though. (laughs) And keeps walking. I love love (laughs) that she's just like a business bitch. I honestly i i'm just so into it yeah they they need this energy yeah. so it makes Quite sense literally that she has saves it. all their lives like a thousand times 
it's true that is like that's, that's like also one of the other theses of the show is that it's clark like no lives. one else can figure it out and so then clark somehow yeah. does then we start to learn some of the re- other reasons that people got arrested so finn is like finn wonders because monty and jasper look very harmless mm-hmm. they're like he's like what the fuck did you two get arrested for they um and monty's like the medicinal plants aren't like you know the only thing on the ark or whatever they got arrested for yeah. weed um and then jasper's like what about you octavia what were you in for and octavia says being born and then walks away um and monty says that is so not game because jasper's trying to flirt with octavia and it's not working yeah um also on the subject of flirting like i said i have respect for octavia's hoe phase i think that's a good choice for her um finn however pending things you find out later in season one i find it pretty suspect how he's already flirted with multiple different people within hours of being here yeah um that's some teenage boy not greatness (laughs) so then they see a deer they see this first animal that they've seen since they stepped foot on the ground and so they're all really excited and they're like oh my god everyone be quiet get down and they go to look at it and finn steps forward trying to get closer and he steps on a branch and then the deer turns its head and you see that it has two heads. It's a <laughs> mutated radiation deer, um, which was very freaky the first time I saw yeah. it, actually. Um, it's like a little grotesque. Yeah. Um, and then it runs off and they're like, oh, wow, that was creepy. Because um, that's not what deer look like. <laughs> not here. No, it's not. <laughs> that's the end of act two. Um, next, we are back on the arc. Uh, Abby and Jackson are in surgery with Jaha. And, and I wrote, why Abby, do we keep seeing surgery in all of these pilots? And side note, that's a good that I realized as you were talking about Isaiah Washington earlier, before we saw him doing surgery, now we see him receiving surgery in the silent. <laughs> wow. Full circle. We should um, like, do a shot so yeah. every time we have a pilot with surgery in it. Oh my god. Let's go back and count. That'll be fun. Fun summer activity. So yeah, so uh, they're doing the surgery. Abby says to Jackson, increase anesthesia. And Jackson says, we've used too much already. Basically, so basically there's a law where you like can only use a certain amount of these supplies on the patients. Um, But he like is sort of waking up. Mm -hmm. So they're like, we got to do something. And Jackson is like, you're asking me to break the law. And Abby's like, fine, I'll do it myself. So she does. Next, we are still on the arc. We see this man, a guard, come up to Kane and say that they've ID'd the shooter as Bellamy Blake. He's the only person on the arc that was unaccounted for. Um, He's no one, a janitor, but he has a clear motive for doing this and getting on the dropship, which was that he has a sister. Um, So this is what Bellamy did to get on the dropship. He shot the chancellor. He thinks he killed the uh, chancellor. Yeah. So he's like, I'm really, I mean, it's there's still no way out good. of this for me. <laughs> yeah, it's still bad. Um, but he thinks that the chancellor is very dead and the yeah. chancellor is not dead yet. But then um, Kane is like someone, so like he's a janitor. He couldn't have done this by himself. Someone had to help him, which yes. means we have a traitor mm-hmm. in our midst and the hundred have an assassin in theirs. It's all dramatic. <laughs> and I think that's the act break. Yeah. I think that was the act two break. Oh, was it? Sure. Oh, um, but Shumway, the Shumway, the guard, also says another thing to Kane at this moment, which is that Kane, oh, yeah. as Chancellor Tempore, 
could give the order to start reducing the population. (laughs) If we're going to kill hundreds of innocent people, we're going to do it by the book. (laughs) And I laughed. That's ridiculous. People people who are watching this for the first time might find it funny that we're laughing at this. Because I remember the first time I watched this pilot, I was very disturbed by Cain and everything about him. Mm Because he's very evil. Same. And Mm -hmm. trying not to spoil anything, but like, perception of him changes over time but the first time I watched this I hated the fuck out of him I was like you are an Uh evil motherfucker yeah I was like you evil evil man what the hell (laughs) now we go back to the drop ship Wells is getting wood someone asks him if he found water yet and he looks up and is like about to answer super seriously and then notices that it's just these guys from earlier the really small one with the baby face um and this other guy and they're trolling him um he also sees that they have written on the drop ship they've scraped it in that says first son first to die but die is spelled d-y-e um and then it cuts to this this baby face boy and he's like got a knife and he shows the fact that he has a knife by rubbing under his nose um (laughs) and he says you know, my dad begged for mercy before your dad floated him. Wells kind of like looks at them and is like, this isn't, he's like, I think Wells understands that they're taking out their anger on the wrong person. And he's like, not super taking it that much to heart. So he walks away from them and says, you spelled die wrong geniuses. (laughs) Um, This is where I'd like to add my fun (laughs) fact. Um, So this, this baby faced uh, delinquent uh, who is played by Richard Harmon who was only supposed to be in this one episode. Um, But they liked what he did so much that they wrote him a character, which is John Murphy. He is one of my favorites. Wouldn't know it from this episode. You wouldn't know it from season one. Yeah, probably not. Um, Honestly, uh, like late season two is when I started to like him. Yeah. The more I started to hate Finn, the more I started to like Murphy. I feel like they kind of swap. Murphy started to look really reasonable and compared yeah. to Finn in some places. <laughs> so um, I love him. Uh, also, I think that Sawyer from Lost walked so Murphy could run. I think that they are very much the same character archetype. Yeah. Um, and it explains, I think, why I like yes. them both so much. Um, so anyway, thanks to Jason Rothenberg for giving Richard Harmon a shot. Because <laughs> uh, he wouldn't have been yeah. in it. For, but past this episode then Bellamy comes up to these other two guys and he says hey if you're gonna kill someone it's probably best not to announce it um which is true and correct um that's not you know not, not a bad idea Bellamy is like the real guard will be here soon he's Bellamy's starting to do his like I'm older than you and I should be in charge act a little bit here he's like um sort of trying to convince uh, some of these delinquents to be on his yeah, side but he's actually pretty good at selling it like he sells it in a very clever way he's like appealing to the fact that they don't want to be ordered around he's like if you listen yeah. to me he's like then I will help make it so that these other people won't come down and be in charge of you again <laughs> yeah and he also is like do you really think they're actually going to forgive you of your crimes they just said yeah. that um they're not they don't mean it these two boys are like well what do we have to do and he's like you have to take your you have to take your wristbands off because then the arc will think you're dead and then uh one of the murphy asks what's in it for us and bellamy's like well someone's got to help me run things um and then 
we are back on the ark and we notice that two more delinquents have died. Um, Murphy and Mbege, both named yeah. John, um, and neither were injured during landing. So John Murphy and John Mbege took off their yeah. wristbands. And Abby is like, well, it's not radiation if they were fine one minute and dead the next. And Kane is like, but Abby, they're uh-huh. dead. <laughs> and, and Abby is like, but it's not yeah. radiation. That's not how radiation presents. Um, and they're, they're in a fight yeah, about Kane this. Kane just keeps doing um, that thing where he's like, but it could be. And she's like, no, based on all of this evidence, it really could not be. <laughs> Which is really funny. This is, this is really funny to watch in yeah. retrospect. Um, no one would understand it if you'd only seen this episode. Um, They should just have a sitcom. (laughs) (laughs) Of them arguing back and forth. Abby is like, hey, they'd all be dead if there were enough radiation uh, to kill them all. TBH. So She kind of snaps it, and I'm like, thank you. Like, get this man to shut up. (laughs) Yeah, Kane is being so annoying. Oh my god, I want to punch him in the face. So we cut back to Finn, Octavia, Monty, Jasper, and Clark in the woods and Finn is like why'd they send us down today and Octavia's like who cares I'm having a great time I am not in a cell I am free and I'm in a forest and it's great and Clark just spits out the arc is dying um so they basically they have roughly three months of left of life support maybe four now that they're gone then they all realize oh my god that's why they locked you up uh, they locked Clark up because her father was the engineer that discovered the flaw, and he thought that people had a right to know, but everyone else on the government disagreed. So he and Clark were like, we're going to go public about it. And someone found out, <laughs> aka, uh, she thinks that Wells turned them in, um, and that's why he's dead. Yeah. Octavia is like, let them die. They kept me <laughs> under the floor. Again, just um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Valid. Can't yeah. disagree with her there. Finn says, oh my god, we have to warn them. And Clark is like, that's what my father Oh, I hated said. that. I wrote uh, down, I'm she's... not here for the, <laughs> I'm not here for the parallel to her father and trying to make it a romantic moment. It was, like, very odd. And I was like, they, like, there were, like, some moments of romance, like, trying to be, like, setting them up for romance that I was that not was here for. That was the one that for. bothered me the most. Um, I, have, I have other thoughts about it. Yeah. I'll say later, but hmm Yeah. So then it cuts to Jasper going, damn, I love Earth, because he is looking at Octavia, who has now taken off her yes. pants, and she's about to jump into this body of water. In the costuming, I, I like and appreciate the choice that almost all of their costumes look like they have been mended and recycled and, like, sewn together from different pieces of clothing, because obviously they reuse things as much as they can. Yeah. And that really works. Mm-hmm. But I noticed that all of their exterior clothes look really worn. But Octavia's underwear looks like it is fresh off the rack at Victoria's Secret. <laughs> I was like, it did, she has it really did. nice underwear I... for a prisoner in a place where everything's rationed. <laughs> this is a good point. Um, love like, God forbid that this uh... can't be a sexy runway moment. <laughs> Um, I also want to point out that Jasper's wearing a great mm-hmm. shirt. It says Earth Day 2052, yeah. which yeah. is just fun. Um, we love Earth Day. Next, uh, Oct- everyone's like, Octavia, what are you doing? And then she kind of smiles at them and then jumps into the body of water. Um, and then they all like run over to where she's from where she's jumped. And uh, Monty's like, Octavia, we can't swim yeah. because they've lived in space all their lives. And Octavia's like, yeah, but we can stand because the water is shallow there. 
And Clark is like, wait a second, there's not supposed to be a river here. So she has a moment of, hmm, that's odd. But then they're all kind of like, who cares? Somebody says like a valid point of like, that map is from a hundred years ago. Things change. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, But so they get excited about the water and they're all about to jump in too. But Jasper notices something rippling in the distance. Um, And he's like, Octavia, get out of the water. Um, And Octavia does not get out of the water in time. Instead, she turns and looks to see what Jasper's potentially pointing at. And the thing comes towards her and it gets her. So that's that it's touch and go for a few minutes here. Uh, we see Octavia, she's struggling in the water because the monster has kind of like grabbed her. So they're like, oh, we're going to get a rock. And they distract the monster by throwing the rock into the water and it lets Octavia go. Then Jasper jumps into the water to save her. And then he does and it's fine. And she's like, oh my God, yeah, you saved me. And Monty says, note to self, next time save the girl. Um, (laughs) I love Monty too. So next, we are back at the dropship camp. There's, um, it's nighttime. Uh, there's a lot of hooping and hollering. There's this bonfire. Wells comes out of the dropship and is like, what the fuck is going on? Um, and you see all these kids screaming. And uh, Murphy and Mbege are holding people down and taking their wristbands off. So basically, it's looking like just one by one, all of these children are dying uh, to the ark. Uh, so everyone's like, woo. And Wells is like, Hey, what are you doing? You're going to get us all killed. They're going to think we're dying. And Bellaby says, we can take care of ourselves. Um, to, to, uh, some, some extent. Yeah. Sure. To another extent. Bellamy- so Wells then chimes in with a very, very valid point. He says, Hey, all those people up there, they are our doctors. They are our engineers. They are our agriculture people we if we want to survive long term if we want to build anything we need their help which is a really reasonable Mm -hmm. point and no one will listen to him oh my god and then uh bellamy's like hey my people are already down those people locked my people up those people killed my mother for the crime of having a second child your father did that and well said my father didn't write the laws and bellamy says no he enforced them but not anymore not here here there are no laws here we do whatever the hell we want whenever the hell we want um and then it devolves he really he gives does more know of a how speech. to, it was to quite long. manipulate a bunch of teenagers <laughs> mm-hmm Bellamy Bellamy later becomes known for giving really impassioned yeah. speeches. So this is his very yeah. first one, um, which is super exciting. Um, and then also you wouldn't know it from this episode that I, but like, yeah, I love Bellamy. Bellamy is another um, one that, you know, your, your perception changes. A lot of these characters, your perception of them will grow and change over the show, which is interesting. I think so. Yeah. 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 Which is one of the things yeah. I liked about it. For sure. Um, so yeah, this, the, his speeches was quite long and I was like, okay, but the point of it was yes. whatever the hell we want. And then everyone starts chanting whatever yeah. the hell we want. And Wells is looking at them like, y'all are so yeah. dumb. And I was also thinking, y'all but are so dumb. at the same so time, dumb. I can Because can... again, these are all literal teenagers mm-hmm. that have been in jail for some amount of time. So like their lives have yeah. really sucked. And I, I can sympathize with why they wouldn't want to trust those same people that put them in jail 
Yeah, definitely. It's like it's like maddening because yeah. it's like you get that, that you really get it. surprise that summarizes every single conflict on this show, which is part of what makes it interesting. Both sides are understandable and also super frustrating, and you hate everybody who makes every decision, but you also understand. Yep. That is exactly what yeah. season five is. It's, we can it's, talk about honestly, that later, it's every season. But that is yeah, but I feel like season five yeah, well, really yeah, season five was when I just um, really didn't like anybody anymore. Um yeah, so I was like maybe you all should lots die. of chanting of <laughs> uh, yeah. they almost did. Um anyway, Wells and Bellamy are having this like intense staring contest as the rest of the children are shouting, whatever the yeah. hell we want, whatever the hell we want. And then it starts to rain. And Everyone is like, oh my God, our first rain. And they're even more yeah. excited. They're freaking out. And Wells is like, oh my God, we need to collect this. And Bellamy looks at him and just goes, whatever the mm-hmm. hell you want. Um, and then Wells kind of goes off to collect the rain. And Bellamy's like, wow, rain. He has a moment where he yeah. gets to enjoy it too. So now we're back on the arc. Um, and they are noticing that it seems like some more kids are dying and they're like, really, what is up with this? Uh, Jackson says something about some levels are going up, science words, Um, but it means they found water. Then uh, Kane comes in with some guards, Abby is being arrested and he looks at her and goes, sorry, this has to be public. And Abby is like, it's only public yeah. because you made it public. Fuck off. <laughs> um, she basically says that she would use whatever it took to keep Kane from becoming chancellor. And it was the easiest decision she ever made. And Kane is like, oh, you've confessed. So you're guilty. And I have no choice but to uh, find you guilty. And Abby is like, we always have a choice. Um, and this is where we learn that Kane is the one who charged uh, Abby's husband um, who was also his friend and included Clark in the charges, as in he didn't necessarily have to. Uh, Kane says, since all crimes committed by those over the age of maturity are capital crimes, uh, you are hereby sentenced to death. Um, and he looks at her and says, and I choose at every turn and at any cost to make sure that the human race stays alive. And Abby says, that's the difference between us, Kane. I choose that we deserve to stay alive. I love the the Kane and Abby. I feel like honestly throughout every season of this show, I feel like Kane and Abby are on their own independent soap opera separate from the rest of the show. <laughs> they really are. That's yeah, throughout every single that's season. True. Like the, mm-hmm. the mood of it changes, but they are on their own little soap opera throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so they put Abby in her cell. Her execution is tomorrow. And they put her in Clark's which just old seems cell, extra which clear. is really cold. Well, okay, actually, I wrote down, I was thinking that is simultaneously really mean, but also kind of nice. Because, like, it's 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 a mean mm-hmm. reminder of, like, oh, I did this to Clark, and now I'm doing it to you. But also, on the other hand, for her to get to spend her last night and see Clark's drawings, like, that's probably better. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> yeah. And so then you see Clark is, like, a little bit of an yeah. artist. And you see all the drawings she put up on the wall and on the floor. Because she was in solitary for a year. She literally yeah. didn't see anyone. She had to pass the time somehow. And she drew. Um, and then Abby starts to cry. Um, now we go back down to the ground. It's nighttime. And the kids that went to Mount Weather are in the forest. Um, Clark is, like, on the ground. She kind of wakes up. And she notices that the forest is mm-hmm. glowing. Um, and... Uh, then she like turns and she sees that Jasper, Octavia, and Monty are asleep. Also, I would like to say that in like the first few episodes, I really shipped Jasper oh. and Octavia. Um, 
and yeah, what a difference. Just, I mean, both of them change a lot from their original characterization. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. It's true. I really shipped them in the first few episodes. And then I was like, yeah. then things changed. Um, and everything got so different. And they kind of threw out that whole little yeah. storyline. Um, anyway, so then uh, Clark gets up and she's walking through the forest, just kind of like admiring that it's glowing and it's really pretty. Um, and Finn comes up next to her and he offers her some water because um, he went back to the river. Um, they're kind of joking. Finn is flirting with her. Finn is like, oh my God, you want to see something? Um, so he takes her over to this footprint in the, mm-hmm. over in some soil nearby. And he's like, it's a toe. And he's super excited. And he's like, that means that there's like some other like animal or something among us, like a bipedal. Um, so my guess is monkeys. And Clark laughs and she's like, sorry, but based on everything I've read, actually, (laughs) um, uh, there were no like bipedal animals in this part of the world. No, um, certainly not monkeys. Uh, For reference, they are in the eastern United States. Yeah, they've dropped somewhere near D.C. Um, So finn then says to her you read anything about glow-in-the-dark forests or man-eating snakes? which is a good uh, point because because it's been a hundred years a and b there was a nuclear war that changed the entire fucking planet yeah things might be different there really yeah. could be a monkey so now we're back on the ark this is kane's little unit um his little apartment thing and here comes that woman we never see again. Um, and she comes in and she's like, you can't just kill everyone who disagrees with you. And he says, I'm the only one willing to do what it takes to save us. Um, and he's like, he's not sorry. The scene is really weird. And I would like to preface this by saying that in that pilot script we found, yeah. they literally kiss. I think that they, they're arguing about the fact that Abby is yeah. um, being sentenced to death. But it almost seemed so like in the scene it kind of felt like they so like they took out the kiss that doesn't happen but it still felt like they were maybe gonna kiss it was a very odd scene especially considering like if you've seen the rest this woman is never heard from again so it's like one of those things from pilots where it's like maybe they were gonna develop it but then they said no scratch that so yeah um then we go back to the ground wells is asleep and bellamy uh wakes him up and we see he's got a gun. This is the gun that he used to shoot the chancellor. Um, so he's still got it on his person. He bas- he doesn't do anything to Wells, but he ba- he just needs him to come with him. So he takes him o- away from camp where fewer people will hear him. And he's like, hey, Wells, I need the Ark to think you're dead. Aren't you tired of doing what's expected of you? Trying to do yeah. like the same little spiel he's been telling these other kids. And Wells is not, yeah. Wells is not buying it. He's like, hey, I'm not taking the wristband off and Bellamy's like oh I was afraid you would say that um basically he's like you leave me no choice and then Murphy appears from the shadows which is so funny because Murphy is not at all menacing well, to me because you've seen um, the rest he's I'd also like just if you've just seen him in this. yeah yeah but I he also because I think that he's like slightly smaller well, than the rest yeah, of true. Bellamy's henchmen that he feels like maybe the least menacing of them so the other guys appear from the shadows and they hold Wells down and take his wristband off so now it looks like to the arc that Wells has died now we go back up to the Ark. It is time for Abby's execution. Uh, Callie and Jackson are with her to say goodbye. 
Um, she like steps into the airlock, that sort of thing, after she hugs Callie and tells her, take care of Clark. Um, and then uh, she steps into the airlock and calls out to Jackson to use the wristbands to try and communicate with the kids on the ground, um, go see Sinclair in engineering because she thinks that there's a way to like reverse engineer them so that they can talk to them. Um, and then right before they're about to press the button on the lock, Jaha comes, he's like holding his side because yeah. he was in surgery yesterday, about to die. Um, and he's like, stop, Dr. Griffin is pardoned of her crimes. And Jaha looks at Kane and is yeah. just like, I will deal with you later. Um, he's like, yeah. like that I am disappointed in you face. And then he tells the guard Shumway to open the door. And so then the airlock opens again and Abby is allowed to come back on the ship. Um, so then Jaha asks about the hundred. He's like, how are they? Um, and then it cuts back down to the hundred. Uh, we see the kids that were out on their way to Mount Weather. Um, and they're going to cross that river that they found the day before now um, so that they can get to Mount Weather. Um, they've got like a little <laughs> Tarzani swing is what I'm going to yeah. call it. A rope. A vine. But from a tree. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Jasper is talking to Finn because Finn's going to go first. And Jasper is like, just you're gonna be fine just wait until you wait to jump until you like reach the apogee um which I had never fully heard him say and so then I had to I've like as many times as I've watched this I never super understood what Jasper was saying in this moment and also never took the time to look up what apogee meant um yeah. it's like the high point um is what I learned so then Finn makes a joke and he goes oh like the Indians and Jasper goes apogee not apache everyone's kind of like you got this finn and jasper kind of looks to octavia and he's like oh i think i want to impress octavia finn can i go first um and finn's like yeah go for it and so then finn says to jasper it's okay to be afraid jasper the trick is not fighting it so finally then jasper jumps and he makes it to the other side mm -hmm. he kind of falls over but he stands up and he shouts we are apogee oh, um it makes no sense he's just trying to say no something sense. cool like everybody else has been doing and like <laughs> yeah and then finn hands the vine to uh clark and he says let's go princess you're up um Clark doesn't go over yet but uh Jas right away but she kind of like is preparing to Jasper sees like this discarded sign that's on the ground that says Mount Weather so he picks it up and is like guys we did it we found Mount Weather and they're all screaming and celebrating and they're so excited and then Jasper gets <laughs> fucking speared in the chest yep just spear freaking <laughs> pins him to a tree and he looks pretty dead yeah. Um, and they all kind of like, they're like, oh my God, get down. So they all like go kind of hide. And the last line of the episode is Clark going, we're not alone. Yeah. And that's how the episode and that's ends. that's a really good hook. For the next episode. I remember I was like, oh, yes. well, I would like it's to continue very good. watching this. Yeah, no, me and me and my friend who I was watching it with, we were yeah. like, what the fuck? Um, so, uh, but spoiler alert, yeah. Jasper does not die there. So In he's okay. draft, he um, did die. So yeah, um, this was the first episode of The 100. Before we get into our spoiler spoiler alerts section, let's talk a little bit about what we liked about this pilot and what it did well. Yeah. Um, so some things that I uh, liked. It definitely, when you describe the premise of this show, I'm sure a lot of 
things that people might compare it to naturally is like the Hunger Games, the Lord of the Flies, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I think it does a good job of giving, because it is of a similar genre to that, at least at the start. It does diverge. I would say it diverges from those commonalities by like the end of season one, honestly. But it does, it does a good job of giving the tastes of what people like about those genres, but also making itself distinct. Yeah. Um, you know, it has a little taste of the teenager chaos of Lord of the Flies and like who's going to be in charge, but it also is more about practical adult concerns of how will we survive. It balances both of those. And like, it has a little bit of the like, you know, um, sort of classic dystopian like relationships, teen relationships, which is pretty present throughout season one but it's not it also has a more adult side to it and also the way it's split between earth and the ark at least for season one Mm -hmm. it's very much split between we have we have two we have storylines on earth and storylines on the ark and earth is the young people and the ark is the adults which is a really interesting dynamic Mm -hmm. and i i'm glad that it doesn't last forever because i don't think the show i don't think it was sustainable or wise to keep it going for longer but i think it's very interesting for season one that you have these two separate environments and these two separate groups of people that seem like they should be so different but then you know it turns out that sometimes the children are more right about things it's true it's it sets up such an interesting dynamic I think the way that they sent decided instead of sending you know like a doctor or engineer down to the ground we're gonna send a bunch of kids I think that in the adults' minds, they thought, oh, well, then when we get down to the ground, we will be in charge again. But the kids yeah. have spent all this time on the ground and they're the ones that know it. Yeah. So of course there are going to be problems. Season two really interesting. Yes. Season two yeah. is so, the season two is my favorite for sure. Season two is the best season, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, um, but anyway, um, yeah, focusing on the the pilot again, I feel like it also did a really good job of showing the scenes on earth did a really good job of showing both the wonder and the joy of them being on earth and the positive potential also infused with a lot of the dangers. Mm -hmm. They showed several different practical dangers of earth. There might be radiation. There's things that have changed. So they don't know earth anymore. The knowledge they have is not going to be accurate. There's animals to contend with. There's hunger and thirst. And maybe some other people. Yeah. And maybe other people, which is a really, really good hook Mm -hmm. going into the next episode. Yeah. And so I think, I think it's just, it does a really, really good job of setting up a lot of pieces that make you very interested in what's going to happen next in this season. How are they going to survive? Yeah. And how, how is their society going to evolve? And how, what's going to happen with the arc? We also have a lot of questions about the arc. Are they going to fix the flaw? Is Kane going to kill people? Um, Kane and Jaha, how is that power struggle going to work out? Yeah. Um, uh, are they all going to die or are they going to make it down to the ground? Are they going to be able to communicate with the hundred? Mm-hmm. Like there's just a whole bunch of compelling questions in this pilot. Yeah. Um, it's very, it's definitely very interesting. I also I think another thing I think that this pilot does well, that then is ever present throughout the whole series, as we discussed at some point earlier, is that it does a good job of showing how maddening it is to see both sides of the story. Yeah. This is a, this is a show where the whole point is that everyone is morally gray. Yeah. Um, except yeah. the people that are actually evil. But yeah. like your our, our main like, characters, they are all yeah. sort of in that morally gray space. Um Yeah, but even even the villains, I would yeah. say most of them, but there's there's only a select few that I can say I one hundred percent disagree with, like Cage Wallace. Fuck him. <laughs> but like most of the other villains, yeah. I'm like, honestly, I see your point. Like yeah. I, I see your point, even though I think you've gone a little bit too far and that's why you're the villain. Mm-hmm. Um 
but yeah, I would say the number one strength of this show and how I sell it to other people and what I, the way I describe it is it's, it's a show about like the dilemma of survival. Like basically what Kane and Abby were saying that kind of sums up the show. It's how far, what, how do you balance doing, making the hard decisions in order to pr- protect yourself, protect the people you love and protect the entire human race mm-hmm. um, versus drawing the line of morality to make sure we deserve to live as Abby puts yeah. it for every single conflict like you can really understand why people are on each side of it and why they make these decisions even if you hate them and disagree with them at the same time so that's really compelling tv exactly i've i feel like because of that i went back and forth on my opinions of so many characters a lot it's at some points like i finally now i have decisions and i've stuck to them about like which ones i'm always on the side of and that sort of thing yeah um, cause I feel like sometimes they're too hard on certain people and I don't think they should yeah. be. Um, but yeah. yeah. Are we, um, firmly in spoiler territory now? Um, yeah, I'd say so. So now. Okay. All right. So yeah, if you, if you really don't want any future spoilers for the show, if you want to watch the show, um, goodbye. <laughs> I do recommend it. I like, honestly, seasons one and two, I really enjoy three four I found somewhat enjoyable but had some gripes with I don't know I say it's worth a shot if you think you're gonna like it however if you're somebody that gets stressed out or you don't like shows where people die mm-hmm. this then is maybe not, it's for not for you um but if you like exciting morally gray shows then you should as a person that it. has watched all of it my um my recommendation now that I have seen it all the way through um and I somewhat feel like my time is wasted um uh <laughs> I say to people don't watch finish season six except there's like one extra scene at the end of season six that you can quite literally turn off and it'll be over so like there is a moment where there's a song playing it's called other side by gates once that song ends turn it off or if that's gonna bother you if season six because season six kind of feels like a different and its own thing stop after season five and those are my two recommendations yeah um or my alternative recommendation is once you start getting really frustrated stop okay so now now this is official spoiler warning goodbye if you don't want to be spoiled so now i guess grievance time we've said enough things about why this show is worth watching (laughs) okay so um i will begin um by saying that the show gets really racist um yeah i um once randomly just for like just like off the top of my head, I once wrote like a list of all of the times that people of color on this show were brutalized. Um, and it was like two pages long, just off the top of my head. In terms of writing and the way that the CW casts their shows to have a slightly looking like ethnically ambiguous, diverse looking group of people, I always yeah. am concerned then with the storylines that they give to the people of color and the ways that they treat them in comparison to the white characters because it's like true yeah. this is a show where everyone is kind of brutalized to a certain point yeah but for example the way that people beat up on raven in every moment of ev- of like raven yeah raven um i would say bellamy also a lot it's yeah. like there are a lot of characters that it's like or also the people of color tend to have the most brutal deaths um, on this yeah. show right off the bat too. Um, here's my saddest spoiler um, alert to everyone. In episode three, Wells is killed. Um, yeah. 
which is just such a fucking waste. Truly. Because he's such an interesting character and you get the sense that they did it because the the sense I got from it was they did it, they made it intentionally jarring. They make you like Wells and seem like he's going to be a very major character so that they could kill him off early and shock you and make you realize this is a show where anyone can die. Mm-hmm. Which, okay, that could be something valuable to the tone of the show. However, I don't know if Wells was the right character to do with that. Yeah, And it's 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 a show that essentially is trying to have colorblind casting. Like there's a, a fairly racially diverse cast overall and they don't talk about race. Yeah. It's, it's like I, not I a- I to use post, post-racial. I actually, like it's like- I, no, I actually think, wait, I think I might have this note somewhere of what is that thing? J-Roth literally said something like this. I gotta find it. Racism doesn't exist anymore in this world. Like actually. I mean, it it seems like that was the intent to be like, oh, all humans had to survive. So they, you know, they banded together to survive and then race was not a thing anymore, which is a nice thought. I don't know if that's actually how it would work in the apocalypse. This is another spoiler. Um, I'm sure if you're anywhere on the internet, you might know that in season three, part of the reason that season people were up in arms in the midst of season three is because um they killed off a character lexa um Mm -hmm. adina can talk about it while i find the pull quote okay so uh, i'll quickly summarize lexa um so uh lexa is a character that's introduced later on she is a love interest for clark they have honestly a pretty incredible love story in seasons two and three um it was you know, it's both enter- entertaining and intriguing, in my opinion. And also, it was kind of a big deal because there's not a ton of uh, relationships between two women on TV, certainly not from a lead character, and certainly not um, given such focal space on a show. Because Clark is the lead of the show, um, and her relationship with, Cle- with Lexa <laughs> is you know, it was not only given a lot of time and space and airtime, but it's vitally important to the plot of the show. Um, and so that was really cool. A lot of people were really invested in it. And um, the actor who played Lexa wanted to leave the show because she got another job. That's fair. Um, they decided they were going to kill her character. Also fair. On a show where people die all the time, it kind of makes sense for her to be killed off. And she was like a like a literal warrior chief character. So like, her dying, not really out of the genre. That's okay. Um, there is this kind of trope of like um, queer women dying on on TV and it's kind of a trend and it's not necessarily great, but this is a case where I'm like, it's pretty, it, it makes sense that Lexa was gonna die. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's kind of how you have to handle it. Yeah. However, the way that it happens is particularly disturbing, both in how strange and careless it is. And also it's just bad writing. Yeah, She gets- it's right after her and Clark have sex. I forget. Is it for the first time? Yes. I think it's the first, it time, the first time they time. actually consummate their relationship. And they're in the afterglow of it. And then this minor character walks in. Fuck Titus. he pulls out a gun. And it's a man. He's never used a gun before because it's like against their culture. It's, but he pulls out a gun and he's trying to shoot Clark because he thinks their relationship is bad for Lexa. And because he's never used a gun before... He shoots Lexa, his his boss, and that he devotes his whole life to, and he kills her by accident, and then she just dies. <laughs> and it's literally the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen on television. But the other thing is, if you had to kill her and have her be dead, 
she's literally a fucking warrior chief have her go into yeah, a battle she didn't even die a glorious battle die. it literally it's a stupid scene it's not entertaining it had no fucking bearing on the plot other than the fact that she's dead now but like the way she died meant nothing it was literally an accident by somebody who was on her side yeah and it was so it so in a, in the larger cultural context that's my my personal version of my gripes but um it sparked like this was something that people had it was already a disturbing trend but just something about the stupidity of this particular death set off a very large cultural movement um uh, basically just like a lot of people started talking about it and pu- publishing articles that listed like every queer woman that has died in movies and TV, like in the past, whatever years, um, culminating with Lexa and people started like this movement. Like now, if you say Klexa, it's like immediately, it's like a powder keg um, because it was just so poorly handled because it was so it was, it was such good. It was such good for the community and then just such bad mm-hmm. the way it ended that's the stupidity yes but then the other thing that's really frustrating is so lexa dies in i think episode seven of season three and in the very next fucking episode they kill off another vitally important fan favorite character yeah. in a horrifying way yeah that was that 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 that, that one was when me. i quit the show because i actually i had been spoiled that lexa was gonna die and honestly i'm glad that i, I didn't know how it was gonna happen but i'm glad that i was spoiled because i i would have been a lot more upset if i did not know it was coming mm-hmm. But I think I, I like caught up to the show like right at that point. And then I was like, I'm sad, but maybe I won't quit the show just because one of the characters I like died. Maybe I'll give it another chance. And then the very next week, they kill Lincoln. Oh my God. And I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I'm yeah, done. The whole thing. Yeah. The thing with Lincoln was like some behind the scenes drama yeah. of like, you know, um, the actor and the showrunner not getting along really. Um, yeah. So that is the reason that he left the show. And was then killed yeah. off but that was terrible and then also actually led into one of my least favorite things that has ever happened on the show so octavia and lincoln were together they like got together in season one kind of and it was a whole thing and it was kind of scandalous because lincoln's a grounder and octavia is not and so like at first bellamy hated lincoln it was a whole thing Season three, Bellamy is kind of not on the side of the good guys at the moment. He's Mm. doing what he thinks seems to be the most logical, but he's with the guy that hates all the grounders who killed Lincoln. The next episode after, after Lincoln dies, Octavia beats Bellamy to a pulp. So, um, uh, Bob Morley, who plays Bellamy is half Filipino. Uh, Marie Avgaropoulos, who plays Octavia is white. Um, so they are half siblings. They do not have the same father, but they have the same mother. The mother is white. Just the optics of having to sit and watch this white woman punch this man of color. Like his face was so bloodied. Everyone sat there and just watched. And then at one point, Bellamy said, no, I deserve it. I absolutely, I can't stand it. And I don't watch that scene anymore. It's also, it's just so like, the more you think about it, like, as a white person, like with, you know, the privilege to not necessarily focus on these things, it's very easy to glance at the show and be like, oh yeah, everybody suffers and it's a diverse cast, like white, some of the white people in the cast suffer too. But if you really, like when you look at it, like I'm thinking back to like, I'm trying to remember all of Lincoln's plot lines and like from seasons one to three, I would say Lincoln spends a vast majority of his time on screen being imprisoned and or tortured yes. and or directly manipulated into doing violence and tortured at the same time. Yes. And I'm like, oh my God. I 
frankly, um, like if I list, I like, like thinking about it, I knew immediately once they killed Wells, I was like, I can never get attached to a black person on this show. Granted, there weren't that many black people on this show. (laughs) Um, like in terms of like ethnically diverse, they definitely kept to a slightly more, um, also like in the colorism of this show as well. It's just like, I don't, um, but I think that I didn't even like get attached to black people. Like it took me like ages to warm up to like Indra and Miller who I actually, or like actually they both made it to the end and I was shocked. Yeah. Like actually shocked that these two black characters so made it to the Indra end. Every single time, there are so many moments when Indra gets injured, and I'm like, "It's time! It's the time! They're killing her!" I texted Adina, and I was like, "Indra made it!" And yeah. <laughs> that was honestly like, even though I wasn't watching season seven, I was like, "Oh man, I really fucking hope they don't kill Indra." Yeah. Um. Yeah. There are some other black characters that got added in at the end. Um. My fav. One of my favorite later additions to the show, Gabriel. Um, he, uh, is played by a black man. Um, he died brutally to be perfectly honest. I knew that Gabriel was going to die, but I think the issue that I have with it is again, think that the people of color always had the longer torture scenes somehow. Like the white characters go through a lot, but like, I'm thinking of like Clark and like Jasper and like Octavia, they go through a lot of Mm -hmm. emotional pain throughout the series. But I can't think of any scene when they are like strung up and brutally tortured. Yeah, because it's interesting because we see Harper get like, so the thing about Mount Weather is they like are using their bone marrow to try and make themselves better. They do that to Harper, but we have to watch them do it to Raven. Yeah. Which that doesn't sit sit right with me either. Um, Yeah. Honestly, the only white character I can even think of a comparable scene for is Murphy early on. Mm-mm. in like season one. Oh yeah. He gets like strong. He gets almost gang murdered and then he also gets infected with a deadly disease then used as a bioweapon, which that kind of Yeah, I think and I think that's but then after that. Yeah. He gets to kind of survive the rest of the series and Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's also what said about like Jasper and Monty. It's like they're presented as a unit at first. Mm-hmm. And then Jasper emerges as more of a lead. Mm-hmm. And then even after that, Jasper's angst about the whole Mount Weather situation gets two, he gets a season and a half to be center stage about his angst, even though Monty went through the exact same thing. Then had and, to kill his mom. Yeah, they they spent like zero time unpacking that Monty had to kill his mom for the greater good of everybody. Yeah. Uh, so I so I, I take a lot of beef with the end of Jasper's storyline because it was given to us at the expense of Monty, who yeah. is another person of color. So I, yeah, yeah, I just take a lot of issue with a lot of these things. And it's like, I feel like there are some bits of it that at this point now I know where they are that I'll like skip over things if I do ever. Yeah. This is this type of show I pick and choose which episodes I want to rewatch. I don't like rewatch yeah. a whole season. Although I did rewatch season five recently, but only yeah. after season seven happened because in my brain, season five, I hated it a lot more the first time I watched it. And then after watching it again, after season seven, I was like, oh, this is fine. Um, yeah, it's just maddening. I don't the show. I just search on YouTube, Clark and Lexa all scenes. And there's a two hour video. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I found the quote. I, all this oh, to yeah. say, I found the quote where Jason literally said, Jason says, um, this is from um, a medium essay he wrote after Lex's death. 
Um, so he says, Oh, I have not read this, and I'm really glad that I haven't because it would probably make me angry. Yes. It says, The Hundred is a post-apocalyptic tragedy set 130 years in the future. It's a constant life and death struggle. In our show, all relationships start with one question. Can you help me survive today? It doesn't matter what color you are, what gender identity you are, or whether you're gay, bi, or straight. The things that divide us as global citizens today don't matter in this show, and that's the beauty of science fiction. We can make a point without preaching. We can say that race, sexuality, gender, and disability should not divide us. We can elevate our thinking and take you on a hell of a ride at the same time. Um, which I think is a nice sentiment. He then kind of goes on to say, but you're viewing the TV in our real world. And so that's not real. Um, His lawyers made him put that in. Which is, so like, that's the thing. It's like, sure, race and all those constructs don't have to exist in your world, but because of the way you cast the show and the way the CW always casts, this is their like formula that they cast these sort of like, like like racially diverse looking Which, casts like would be fine and good if in effect as you as these show goes on i feel like the similar trend happens with most of the cw shows where the white characters get privileged in screen time emotional space importance in the plot like you can't say it's diverse and then yeah give the people of color like all of the strife and trauma yeah it's it's tokenism it's mm-hmm. just a new face on tokenism really yeah I guess the moral of the story is don't watch this show. Don't get attached. Yeah. I would also, okay, this is where I also want to say that um, I have a couple of things to say. Mainly um, after watching Lost, I sat through Lost and like partway through, I was like, oh my God, I bet you Jason Rothenberg ate this show the fuck (laughs) up. I just know he did. I have no way to prove that Jason Rothenberg was a lost super fan, but I just know in my I mean, gut. It's just very sim. It is very similar. Like mm-hmm. I, I think uh, the hundred took clear, clear influence from lost. I also think that the ending of lost sort of corresponds in a way with what I think that maybe Jason was trying to do with the ending of the hundred, but I think he did it poorly. Um, <laughs> I actually don't. So I am in the camp of, I didn't mind the lost finale. Um, after having seen it. I think that it was pretty clear to me once season six, in the midst of season six, it was pretty clear to me that they were dead. Um, Mm -hmm. That was what I figured was going on. So it's not like it was a shock to me when Jack said to his father, I'm dead, aren't I? Um, So like, that was my whole thing. And I, I honestly, I thought it was kind of touching. It was like these people that all found each other on this island and they all decided to wait for Jack to accept it because of course Jack took the longest to accept yeah. the fact that he was dead before they all crossed over together. Um, the Hundred ends in a special way, which is <laughs> that, so there's this whole thing in season seven that is stupid, that is about transcendence. And like, who is worthy of transcending in the human race? And someone has to take a test. And Clark fails this test. Um, So they're like, you can't transcend Clark. Then Raven takes the test, I think, and she passes it. Um, So like everyone can transcend except for Clark. So this this is from my vague understanding of the episode that I was crying angry tears through. So this could be not fully what it what happened but this was my understanding of it so basically everyone transcends and then clark is left alone 
Um, she goes back to Earth to the little beach. Oh, also Clark killed Bellamy. So Bellamy's not even in the end. Um, so Clark- <laughs> That was a fun moment on the internet. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I have maybe one more comment about Bellamy's yeah. death um, that goes back to my people of color being brutalized yeah. um, thing. Uh, but Clark goes and she's like, I don't want to be alone. Um, and then we learn from alien Lexa, because um, uh, Alicia Debnam Debnam Carey made an appearance as Lexa, but she wasn't actually Lexa. She was an alien that was giving Clark the test and the, the alien appears to you as someone you care about. So Lexa appeared. Um, so it wasn't actually Lexa. I just have to say this. Um, it was alien Lexa, but she, she comes and she explains to Clark. Also, the dog didn't transcend, which I thought was stupid. I was like, how is the dog not worthy? Um, but anyway, Clark goes back to the beach with the dog and she thinks she's all alone. Um, and so then we learn that all of her friends that transcended, so it's, um, I'm about to list a bunch of characters and the only one of them that was in the pilot was Murphy and Jackson. <laughs> um, so this may, might, will make I sense mean, to anyone no who's one. only seen the pilot is not still listening. Yeah, true. So Murphy, Jackson, Amori, Raven, Echo, Octa- oh, and Octavia. Octavia, yeah. Levitt, Octavia's weird boyfriend. What is <laughs> stupid? Um, I, sorry, I really hated Levitt. Um, Nyla, yeah, Indra, Gaia, Jackson and Miller. So all this group of people all decide that they're going to not transcend and stay on Earth with Clark. But because they didn't transcend, um, they are they can't have kids. They're basically just husks living on this Earth until they die. And then they can't transcend after they die. They're literally just going to sit on the Earth and die. Are they on a beach, too? Yeah. So it's kind of like what's happening on Grey's Anatomy right now. Oh, stop. <laughs> oh, my God. Perhaps, yeah, maybe. From what I've gleaned from the internet, from what's going yeah, on we, on Grey's we Anatomy. Don't, we don't watch Grey's Anatomy currently, but I think there's a lot of dead people on a beach and everyone keeps coming back. That's and what so I, I thought that um, Meredith was dead, but I don't think she is. Um, she's like, she's like in partially a coma. dead. Yeah, she's like, she's like near death. Something's wrong with her. Um, and she's seeing all the dead people. Anyway. Yeah, and so everyone's coming back. And Sandra O's oh not coming back. Stop asking her. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> that that's how it ends. Um, and Jason was like, oh my God, this is so hopeful and good. No, it no the fuck it's not, sir. Um, and I think in my brain, I like had like this moment, maybe a few it wasn't even that long ago. It was like a few weeks ago. I texted a Dean and I was like, I really think that Jason was trying to do something like what the lost finale did, but he executed it poorly. Yeah, the way um, you describe it, it sounds pretty depressing. It was, in fact, so depressing. My other, my one last thought I would like to say, I also, I always assumed Bellamy was going to die. I assumed he was on the chopping yeah. block. Um, yeah. Not like this, not in the stupid yeah. way that he died, which was Clark shooting him. Um, so I, I just think that it felt like a disservice to the character um, and again, as I've said, the way I've had to watch so many people of color on this show die, like, sure, a lot of people have died, but it's just like, it's also kind of like the way they frame these people's deaths. Like, um, especially because I had to watch Bellamy, Gabriel, and Amori all die within like three episodes. So first yeah. Bellamy dies, and it's like the longest shot 
of him just in a pool of his own blood and that's how the episode ends what the fuck um they don't yeah. do that for other people uh gabriel stabbed to death um mm-hmm. that was ugh. um amori got also stabbed in a way but like like a rebar went through her and she didn't die right then but like the whole like the trauma and the surgery didn't work out she did kind of live but that was stupid and i choose to ignore it because i don't like what that says about murphy the state of murphy's mental health i feel like season seven did a bad job of honoring the story that was already laid out it was as though the writers and there were a lot of new writers but at the same time, Jason has been on this show the entire time. It's his show. And I feel like the way that he handled his ending, which he wanted to end, by the way, he said that season seven was going to be the last season. They did not get canceled. It um, should have ended at season five. Like, I do just, agree with no you. more to do. Yeah, I do agree with you that I think it should have ended at season five, even though I don't mind season six. It's- Frankly, it's confusing to me that someone that spent all this time with these characters just could with so little care and something I'm like still baffled by it like constantly every day I can't believe that this is what I had to sit through a person that claims to love this universe and these characters so much and this is what he did to them yeah what the fuck a good question and next week we'll have a very similar yet different question of how somebody who's new to a universe and characters can know nothing about them and write an entire season that pays no respect to the seasons that came before yeah I so I will say I do I like this show but I also hate it more. My dad, I think my dad is the perfect example of a casual viewer for this show. And I'm going to explain how he felt about the seasons that he watched. Um, I, for the better part of like two years, I was telling my dad, hey, I think you should watch The 100. You'd enjoy it. It's literally right in the exact camp of things he enjoys. We kind of have some of the same shows that we like to watch. Um, he watched every other CW show before this one. Um, I will say, Um, which was bothersome to me as a person that recommended him a show that I thought he would like Mm -hmm. and he just wouldn't watch it. Um, He finally got to it recently and I told him, hey, don't watch season seven. Um, And he was like, okay. Um, So he watched, he watched it and he enjoyed it. He said that, I think that he said that, um, because I started talking about how I had, I'd like was the first time I watched season five, I didn't care for it. He was like, oh no, I liked season five. Um, so, you know, casual viewer things, um, mm-hmm. he, he didn't mind it through season five. I think he thought season six was getting kind of bizarre, which is fair because that's when it like tonal, t- there's a huge tonal shift. Um, it's like a very different show. It is. Um, and uh, again, uh, like the clown, the thoughtful, logical clown that I am, I thought that seasons six and seven were going to be super connected and it was going to be so cool. And I was like, so I would see people on the internet being like, this is really stupid when season seven, one episode of season seven had happened. And I said, Hey guys, there's 15 other episodes. We just got to wait and see what happens. And I don't think you're wrong for that. I am a believer in wait and see. Don't judge something before it happens, before you've seen it. But it's sad when you're trying to be fair to writers and then they just let you down. Yeah. And then in episode 13, episode 13 is when they kill Bellamy, by the way. Then I was like, oh, I don't, I I was wrong, I guess. Um, (laughs) That was when I was like, oh, I'm incorrect. But it was by then almost over. So I kept watching. Um, Mm -hmm. Do I regret it? Maybe. 
Um, but like, I would have been annoyed. That's like far too, like by then you're so far in, there's three more episodes left. It's oh, like, yeah, why would you, you not finish it. it? So my dad says about season seven, which I told him don't watch. He said, he started the first 20 minutes of season seven said, Hmm, this looks like it's going to get weird and turned it off. And I was like, that's the right choice. And then I told him what happens in season seven. And he was honestly so perplexed. I started off with the Clark kills Bellamy thing. He's like, how did, how did they get there? Um, told him about it. He said, that doesn't make any sense. Um, and I was like, yeah, no, it doesn't. Told him the whole, um, told him the whole, how they all ended up on the beach and they're all just going to sit there and die. Um, and he was like, that's terrible. He was yeah. actually perplexed. I was like, yeah, yeah. It makes no damn sense. Yeah. Um, and this is a, just to try and circle back to some sort of writing tip, this might sound stupid after applying it to the hundred, but like something I've realized as I'm trying to develop ideas that feel complicated or whatever is if you can't summarize it effectively to someone who doesn't know what you're talking about, if you can't summarize the plot and have someone be like, oh yeah, okay, I get the plot, then it's not a good plot. Yeah. And it certainly wasn't. And I think some of the issues, okay. The other thing about season seven is that um, a lot of it had to get rewritten. Uh, Bob Morley has been kind of like vocal about some of his mental health issues that he's been having. And his doctor was like, he needs to work a little less. And so they had to rewrite. So Bellamy was in the the season slightly less and like, that's fine, but it's just the way that it still got wrapped up just such a disservice even in the vein of that. Yeah, there can be challenges, but then some decisions can still not make sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I know that there are some real world, like behind the scenes things yeah. that made season seven the way that it was. But even so, I'm like not convinced that it would have yeah, been Again, like if an actor has to leave, that forces your hand a little bit as a writer. Mm-hmm. It might force you that they have to die or they have to be kidnapped. They have to be written off somehow, but you still get to choose how. Yeah. So I won't criticize you for the fact that Lexa had to leave. That was not the writer's decision, but I will criticize the shit out of you for writing such a dumb fucking ass death scene. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like that's, that's the other reason I was so quick to, to be like, Hey, let's give season seven a chance because when people saw that Bellamy wasn't in it as much, there was a lot of like ups, there was a big upset. But then when I saw that that was the reason, I was like, well, I'm not going to have an actor suffer for the sake of my entertainment. Yeah, like, it's okay to be disappointed, but to be angry? What? No. So I was (laughs) like, I was, that's why I, like, wasn't wasting my energy being upset until I had reason to be. Yeah. 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 I'm very much, I, I think we should criticize media when there's a fair reason to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so... That's the hundred. Can we recommend this show? Kind of. Shake the magic eight ball. Ask again later. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We want to hear from you now. If you have any thoughts about the hundred pilot you'd like to share with us or suggestions for shows we should watch, you can email us at itsinmyqpod at gmail.com. And in case you want to prepare for the next episode discussion with us, the next pilot we will be watching is Killing Eve. So go ahead and watch or rewatch that episode so you'll be ready for our thoughts on it next time. And if you liked what you heard, please rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends to listen. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at InMyQPod or on our personal Twitters. I am at Adina Terrific. And I'm at Kara underscore Powell. 
thanks for listening and we hope we've helped you clear out your queue.